And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty is on the air now. Hello and welcome back into an all-new Seven Fifty-Five is Real. Producer Cam here with you, David and Eric, taking your questions in real time on the Athletic app in the Seven Fifty-Five is Real live room. Answered some excellent post-trade deadline questions. If you were able to join the live room, awesome. If you weren't and you want to be able to do so in the future, make sure you follow David and Eric on Twitter at DOBrianATL and at EOF34. Also make sure you're subscribed to 755 is real on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get the show. And if you guys have the time, please leave a review on those podcast platforms. That always helps us out a lot. We'd greatly appreciate it. In today's show... Jake Odorizzi, Raziel Iglesias, two newest arms for the Braves. How do they fit in to the organization? What will their roles be for Atlanta? Also, a question about the Braves player development personnel, how they've been able to elevate so many individuals to make meaningful contributions and have meaningful roles on the team. Also, a discussion about Dansby Swanson, which has certainly been, it seems like a timeless question this year. What is his future post-trade deadline Von Grissom, is he an option in the future? Trey Turner on the free agent market and potentially a bridge shortstop if the team can't get Dan to be David and Eric share their insights about that. As always, we appreciate your guys' support. Without you, none of this is possible. Here's David and Eric with today's show. Andrew, yeah, how are you doing? Good. Hey, Dave, thank you, Eric. Hey, I wanted to ask a question. I don't know if this has been covered in a recent uh, podcast, but it applies to the bullpen. So I wanted kind of Eric's opinion. When someone is put on IL um, that is struggling, it typically happens out of the bullpen. And, you know, they're like, man, is that guy going to get sit down or DFA'd? Then they go on the IL. Uh, how much of that is often an actual injury, or is that just protecting the roster? And I have that for two two parts of that. Is Eric, if if that ever happened to you during your career, do you have to basically say, yeah, that hurts? Like, is there kind of a players' association understanding of, yeah, that's an actual injury, or is it just kind of understood or gamesmanship? How does that work for a player? to allow that to happen if they're maybe not really hurt. And Dave, have you, have you ever, have you ever talked to someone and officials about that process? And I'll be quiet. Thank you. Well, usually it's, you know, performance based on both sides. Um, You, everybody goes into the training room throughout the season with all kinds of just nagging injuries. Um, But when you're not performing, the team's a lot less willing to, you know, give you three or four days to recover when you're not adding a lot of value in the first place. Um, And it usually happens when guys start to really struggle, you know, they go into the training room and they're like, you know, my, my left hamstrings bothering me and the team's looking for a chance to open up a roster spot or get some help. They know you kind of need a reset and they'll just be like, you know, why don't you go on the DL for 10 or 15 days or 10 days and, and try to get this thing right. 
and I think players are a lot more accepting of it. They do have to accept it. You can't just walk up to a guy and, you know, say, hey, your shoulder hurts, you're out. Um, but most of the time, you know, there's so many nagging injuries that the opportunity kind of presents itself. And um, like I said, the team's not willing to – if you've been struggling and blowing games and they need you for mop-up duty, they're not willing to not have you for five or six days if if something does come up. So um, it's something that's kind of agreed upon by both sides. But I think mo- both sides are usually more willing when things aren't going well. That's Good all right. Bye. Bye. How you doing, guys? Good morning. What's up? Hey, I got uh, two questions, a bullpen question and a starting rotation question. Uh, Eric, the bullpen question is for you. What do you see in Matzik? It seems to me he's been okay and serviceable, but his stuff is obviously down a little bit. He doesn't look electric like he did in the postseason. Do you think he's just building up from the injury? And Any any predictions on what we're going to see from him going forward? And on the bullpen, there's more of a question. I mean, the starting rotation, the Odorizzi deal just struck me as a little – odd or interesting his contract for next year has a bunch of incentives that will ultimately look like he'll make about 12 million bucks i'm wondering if you think that that's sort of a hedge against possibly a charlie retirement or or that maybe charlie won't be back so let me know what you guys think um with matzik i've just seen you know obviously his stuff's a little down his, his velocity's down a little bit um he went deep into the season last year so a lot of times after pitching that deep, uh, guys come into spring training in the regular season and they're they're a little tired or maybe he's trying to pace himself. I mean, he's still been effective. It's just not, like you said, it's not the same. Just blowing the doors off of hitters as we've seen in the past. But the guy still has balls and knows how to pitch. So um, he doesn't really seem that concerning to me. And I'll let Dave answer the contract question. Uh, they got him as a as for depth. I mean, they Last year, we saw down the stretch, and remember, this is a team that started two openers in the World Series. So as much depth as you think you have, it's never enough. And you have the situation with Strider. All Spencer is adamant about, you know, he feels great, and he doesn't think there's any going to be any reason that he has to move to the bullpen late in the season. And the way he's pitching right now, I don't see that move being made. But if it has to happen, they want a starter there. Uh, and also, you just don't know with the other guys. Ian struggled all year. He had a great start his last time out. If he keeps building on that, then he won't have. There won't be a problem. But if if he pitches like he did most of the year, they had, they'll have to consider you know a move there. But it was depth basically, and you got two double headers coming up. So for instance, Odorizzi is going to pitch one of the games in Saturday's double header. His his contract is a, he's got an option for next year. I, I have to talk to Alex about how that's going to work, but. He's a free agent after the season, and I don't think that they were counting on him for next year, but I'm going to clarify that with Alex. It's a player option. Um, usually, if a pitcher has – I mean, it's not that – it's not an expensive option, and if a pitcher is pitching well in this market, you're going to go on the free agent market if, if you have the op- – you know, if you have a chance to. He's 32, so it might look at that and say, you know, can he get uh, more than that? But usually, a starting pitcher – of any repute can get more than that. He pitched well this year when he hasn't been hurt. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like he had some incentives in there for innings pitched that looked pretty easy to match. And I think when it was all said and done, he's looking at 12 to 13 million next year. So I think he's going to have a starting starting pitcher. I mean, if he's healthy the rest of the year and he shows it over the rest of the year and, and with how he pitched, uh, how he pitched uh, before and after the ankle injury in Houston, um, then I don't, uh, 
I, I don't see him picking up you exercising a player option for twelve million dollars. I mean, he can get a lot more than that on the open market if, or at least like get a multi-year deal. Multi-years, you know? yeah. So he's not pitching on a one-year deal. He could at least get a two or three-year deal, I would think, from somebody. But again, there might be some. I got to talk to Alex because there might be some uh, agreement between them that that option was even dropped when he came over. Something like that. You just never know how those work. As you can imagine, that was not the hot, the, the big topic of conversation in the last 24 hours with, you know, the Austin Riley and then the big trade yesterday with Iglesias. So, but I, I'll clarify that today, and I will, uh, and I'll tweet something about it. I promise. Yeah, I think another, you know, another aspect of it is. I don't think the team was planning on Strider being so good yeah. that, they, that they that you can't live without him, you know, in your rotation. And it this this gives them a chance if they need to go six man or or toy with things a little bit to limit Strider's innings. If he's going to pitch like he's pitching now, you want him in the postseason. You don't want to move him to a bullpen role. You want him starting games right. like that. And and Odorizzi could at least give you a chance to, as Strider himself said last night. It gives them a chance to give some extra rest to a guy like Strider. That way they can space out the innings rather than move him to a bullpen role and throw his yeah. whole thing off. And they could keep him in a starting role and just give him an extra day here and there. Him and him and a couple other guys down the stretch who are building up innings. Agreed. So Odorizzi's a good – it's a great pickup for them at a uh, at a really low cost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were getting questions about, you know, what they were going to do with Will Smith – Exactly. Anyway, and that kind of just solved itself. And, uh, you know, I think he provides a lot of value that the Braves need right now. Michael C. All right. Uh, how are you guys doing? I appreciate y'all taking uh, taking the call. Um, I had a question on the player development front. Uh, Eric, I was hoping you could speak to this. You know, when you were drafted by Seattle, you know, you played a couple of years and then uh, you know, I know you self depreciate a lot, but you, uh, you know, you're a good prospect. Uh, you had a bad ERA that last year. The Braves picked you up. What are they doing to turn people around? Um, especially, you know, our, uh, our young people that are coming up that are, are making all of these impacts. It's just the environment. You know, I mean, I, I learned how to be a man from a coach in the Mariners organization. And he's the guy that kind of sent me to the big leagues, basically. Um, the people that the Braves have in the minor league system, uh, coaching so important. You, you know, you can you can run into three coaches and one of them doesn't work. You know, the next guy doesn't work, and then one guy just winds up connecting with you and 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 he hits on something that makes sense and clicks, and you take off. Every single guy in the minor leagues has the talent to possibly play in the major leagues, and a lot of the guys in the minor leagues have the talent to be stars. But if you don't if if you're not a good communicator as a coach and and you don't have the right people working with these guys um i saw so many guys coming up through the minor leagues that were better than me and they had a shitty attitude and and they didn't have the right people to hold them accountable and and kind of teach them how to be men um and those those things just the Braves just have so many great characters in in their farm system working with guys and their player development that somebody's going to hit with them. You know, I mean, I think more than anything, it's just the number of good people they have um, working with players that somebody's going to connect with each player coming up. And you've seen the results, you know, I mean, you've, you've seen a lot of guys that like Michael Harris, who you're wondering, is he ready for this level? Is he ready for that level? And then all of a sudden he's a superstar. Uh, they're, they're doing a great job of getting the best out of everybody down there. 
it, it just seems like they're real uh, consistent with things. I mean, I know there's a little bit, you know, difference in setups and this, that, and other. But it, when I look at Arcia and I look at Acuna and Contreras and this, I, I, I look like I'm seeing the same approach, the same set. Sometimes they even look alike. Uh, when, when you know, I'm trying to uh, to, to watch them, like is that Arcia? Now that's Acuna up to bat. You know, it, it's uh, uh, they they look a lot alike. It's like they're consistent with what they're teaching. Yeah, well, well everybody working Arcia. together. You know, it's it, when you have a lot of times in, in organizations that are struggling, you have a lot of coaches kind of fighting for ground, you know, battling to they think their way is the best. Um, the Braves organization seems to have everybody working together, um, respecting each other. And it, you'd be surprised how many times coaches egos get in the way of player development. Um, guys don't guys don't want people working under them that are smarter than them. And, and they have these ego hits and that type of stuff really. I mean, it can just ruin your your player development. But I mean, for me personally, when I came over from Seattle, the biggest change was just the environment in general. It was a super positive environment. Um, the players were were brought up to to be good teammates, to encourage each other, to work with each other. You know, there when you have all that nastiness that can happen in player development, the fighting between coaches that that filters its way right down to the players, and then you got players not treating each other right. You got prospects getting special treatment. You know, they're not having to work as hard and guys want to get to the big leagues so they can wear their pants down or do these certain things. And and that's not the focus in the, in the Braves minor league system. It's it's they're taught to win, be good people and and be good teammates. And then guys come over and it's just a welcoming atmosphere. I mean, it's it's not something to easy to build, but it's it's a really effective thing they're doing. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank y'all. I won't take up any more of your time. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, Eric's, Eric's right about them. Uh, they're all being on the same page now. Alex has done a really good job of bringing in the guys that he wanted that all have a similar philosophy and all are in agreement on how these guys should be developed. Whereas before, you had some holdovers from the previous regime and mixed with this regime. So you had different yep. mindsets. So uh, a hitter might be promoted a couple of times in one year have three different hitting coaches or a roving instructor and two hitting coaches, and they all have a little bit different philosophy, you know, exactly. that that can get kind of confusing for a hitter. And, and now they're all on the same page. And I think they have it. The Cardinals used to have always had this and called it the Cardinal way. And the Braves have their way now, which they did before, but they had a, they had a period there where I don't think they really did. There was a mixture of, uh, of uh, old, Young guys, different philosophies, some new school, some old school. And now and that's not the case. And now these guys are getting that, the same instruction and the same, uh, the same kind of mantras as they come up through the organization now that they, they don't have to adjust as they move up. Yeah, and that, that stuff all starts at the top. You know, I mean, if you, have, if you have a GM or somebody making decisions that's just going to promote the people that suck up to them and do what they say versus – you know, a little bit of friction when when they don't agree with them, but presenting their point was, you know, a good reasoning behind it. I mean, you, I've been in organizations where the shittiest coach keeps climbing up and all the players are looking at this guy and they can't stand him. And they're like, why is that guy the you know, the farm director now or, or, or in yeah. charge of, you know, <laughs> why is he the pitching coordinator? We can't stand this guy and he's not a good coach. But yeah. that type of stuff, you know, it just doesn't seem to be happening in the Braves organization. And they've done a great job of getting 
everybody from top to bottom to what we call buy-in and and be on board with with how they do things. And it's like I said, it's not easy to do, but they've done a great job of it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Chris W. What's up, guys? Hey, I, I was curious, Eric, what you think about the dynamic of the bullpen now. I mean, they had the whole night shift thing going, and now I know Will was struggling, but with them uh, sending Will away and bringing in another new guy, you know, Luke Jackson's not there from last year. Do you think this, like, affects the overall dynamic? And you have to figure Kenley's got to see the writing on the wall now. I mean, Iglesias is going to make $16 million bucks. You really doubt that they're going to bring Kenley back next year and be paying two guys $16 million a piece, especially with Yates making more money. Do you think that all, like, factors into, like, a different dynamic in the pen? No, you don't worry about shit like that when you're when you're Kenley. Yeah, I mean, he's made his money. He wants to win a World Series, so he's focused on this year. Um, and then as a whole, you know, the group's the group, you know, they've already spent four solid months down in that bullpen, five months down that bullpen, you know, from spring training on building what they have. Um, baseball makes you resilient. You're, you're, you're used to losing teammates and, and things changing, but as a whole, um, the vibes already set at this point and it, all they got to do is just carry it on. Yeah. They've kind of kept, they've, they've kept that great vibe going this year. Although I should note. Uh, Night Shift was a catchy name and it kind of caught on at the end of last year and carried over to this year, but the players themselves stopped using it because they've all been wearing t-shirts all year that say Arm Barn. That's the big name they gave the bullpen this year, Arm Barn. And, um, you know, Luke is still around, so his, 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 uh, so his personality has been there all year still. Matzik is still there. The big guy that kind of keeps it all together and people might not realize this out O'Day, there. Oday, right? Role is Darren O'Day. Yeah, Darren O'Day has been like the dad down there in that the funny dad down there in that bullpen for the whole time he's been here. You know, he went away for a year, went to the Yankees, and came back, and and it's like he never left. But his personality kind of he exudes, uh, you know, just the, the the whole atmosphere that you see from those guys and hearing interviews kind of comes from him, and he's brought out the. You know, the humorous side and the guys like Matzik and everybody's themselves down there. But anyway, they, they, they got a great vibe going down there. They, uh, losing Jesse Chavez is yeah. is probably a bigger – I mean, I don't want to say bigger than Will Smith because they're both really important to that vibe they have. But Jesse Chavez was really – I mean, he was universally popular down there. And the role he was playing, my God, he's, he's here. He was in the low twos, man. Um, 
But you know what? They just keep losing guys to injuries or trades, and they just can maintain that vibe that they have. So I don't anticipate that losing uh, that going anywhere. Um, just one thing. I wouldn't write off Kenley just yet as far as next year. If you if you remember, they had Mel- Melanson and went out and got Will Smith. And we thought, what the hell, man? Because Melanson was making $14, $15 million, And they went out and signed Will Smith for three years, $40 million, to be a setup guy that year. So, yeah. And then they bring in, and they're and they're still paying Will Smith on the last year of his contract. And after his World Series and postseason heroics, what they do? They went out and signed Kenley Jansen for sixteen million. So they've shown that they're not afraid at all of carrying a couple of guys making well over ten million. And I wouldn't at all write off uh, the the possibility of Kenley returning next year, not at sixteen million. But I could see him coming back, you know, because he's getting older now. He's 38 years old or whatever. I could see him coming back at maybe 10, 12 million if he wanted to, unless he had an offer to go somewhere and be a full time closer for more than that. But uh, I could definitely see them uh, using both those guys. I mean, it's not a given. Like right now, Snick plans to use Kenley to, to keep riding with him as the primary closer. So uh, for the, you know, obviously this year, uh, but and Rizel be the backup guy. Obviously, he'll get. If if they go on streaks like they're on now with five four straight wins, Rodzell's going to obviously get some uh, save opportunities as well. Yeah, and if he if he's cool with it, you know I don't know. But you never know how much communication there was. But AA's tight with Perry, so he could ask those questions. Um, if he's cool with throwing the eighth, when you can have just a guaranteed setup man in the eighth, yeah. I mean, you take so much stress off the rest of your bullpen because the other five, yeah. six guys down there, they only got to worry about two innings. You know, they, they got to get you through the sixth and seventh. And when you have a guy that's closed, then you don't have to match up lefty, lefty, righty, lefty, right. any of that. And you just have a bona fide setup man that's, you know, probably overqualified for that role, but happy right. to do it. it. It really shortens the game. And we saw that last year when they had, you know, mentor Matzik and, you know. Yeah, it's so nice. Good. And Matzik was filthiest guy on the team, and he was setting up, you know. So, and we've seen that in the past, too. Like I said, when they had, you know, Will Smith went from uh, from uh, closing over in San Francisco, where he had kind of supplanted Melanson when Melanson was hurt over there. So then the Braves traded for Melanson. Then they signed Will Smith that offseason as a free agent. He comes in, and he's setting up Melanson again here for a year. Yep. So. Yep. You know, guys will put their egos aside if they have a great vibe out there in the pen and they know they can help this team win because they want to win, man. You know, those bullpen yeah. guys, they want to win just like everybody else. I mean, you can rack up your saves in L.A. and then go home last day of the season or you got a chance at a World Series. I'll throw the eighth inning, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Max and, I, and I, I think and guys are making as much money now. It's not like it used to be where. The only guys getting paid in the offseason were the guys with the saves. Now they're paying setup guys, you know. Good money. Yeah, and it's not like he could go on the market and and they wouldn't look at him as a closer. You know, he's already proved he can do it. You know, every team understands that situation when you get put into it. And it's for me, it's a positive. You know, okay, yeah, he only had 20 saves this year because he went and tried to win a World Series and put his ego aside. You know, you're not going to knock a guy for that. Yeah, and plus the other thing with – I mean, Rizel, he he probably shouldn't care how he's used because that guy's paid. He's got his, his yeah. sixteen million a year coming for the next three years. Yeah, you know, so this is his big contract. He's already, yeah, he's, he's not worried signed. about it. it. It takes a really selfish guy <laughs> to 
to still yeah. want to close. And we had and, a few of that. We had a couple of those a long time ago here. Yeah, there's been a few over the years that I've played with, but most guys are like, shit, if we got a chance to win a World Series, I'll I'll pitch the fifth. Yeah. Uh Max S. Hey guys, appreciate you taking the call. Um I got I've got two questions kind of on different topics. For one, not really related to the deadline, but I've been kind of looking at it, especially now with Keith Law's new rankings, putting, you know, Vaughn Grissom is now suddenly our top prospect, right? Which is very cool. But, you know, with Dansby being a free agent at the end of the season and with two of our top five prospects both being shortstops, which, you know, Braden, a lot of people think Braden Shoemaker is ready, maybe even now. I, I was wondering if either of y'all have any kind of insight into maybe how AA is planning on handling this. You know, Trey Turner is also a free agent. I just think this whole situation with us in the shortstop position has gotten very, very interesting very, very quickly. And then my second question was, you know, obviously. The well, let's, say, let's answer the first one. Let's answer okay, the okay, first yeah. one. You, you should know by now, Alex does not share any of these kind of things. If he is leaning in one direction or another, he would never, ever share or even indicate which direction he was going. As we saw with Freddie Freeman, if you think you know or you think you're hearing rumors about which way he's leaning, it's probably bullshit and you can count on it being wrong because he does not <laughs> let this stuff leak. So how he's what he's planning to do with Dansby, when I've talked to Dansby, you know, this was a while back about not too long ago about contract status. Nothing was being Nothing. They weren't deep in, in, in discussions about anything yet. So I don't know if that's changed, but Dansby, we've talked about this a lot on the, on the podcast. Dansby is far enough down now. He's so close to free agency that it's rare that a guy signs a long-term extension when he's two months from free agency because he's taken all the risk himself. The team chose not to or not to make him enough big enough offer or not to try to make him an offer. Uh, while he was really affordable. And now, you know, in Dansby's case especially, he's having a career year. He's assumed all the risks this year because if he got hurt, it was going to cost him a lot of money. A ton. Now you're this close to free agency. You're almost you're almost going to uh, be guaranteed to hit in the, free, the market just, just to see at least what other teams might offer. And in his case, it's complicated even further by the fact he's got the same agent Freddie Freeman did. So does that, does that mean Freddie's Casey Close, the agent, is going to be – is obviously he's going to keep Dansby up to date on any negotiations. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to tell him every word that's whispered. But is that going to make him? Is that going to make it harder to negotiate a contract or easier? Is he going to bend over? Uh, you know, be more careful than ever to to go out of his way to make sure Dansby gets the best service and gets the opportunity to stay here. And uh, you know, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. But I will just add, people that keep pointing to Trey Turner. If they can't afford or won't afford Dansby Swanson, I'm not sure why people think they're going to pay five to seven million more per year for Trey Turner. Trey Turner is going to get about six million, probably more per year than the contract they just gave Austin Riley. Do, do people really think that the Rays are going to do that? Go out and give 20, 27, 28 million per, probably, it's probably what Trey Turner is going to get in a long term extension for him which blows away the scale for the four guys they just they've got signed to long-term deals. Not one of them in any year is going to make more than 22 million. Trey Turner is going to make a hell of a lot more than that per year. And yeah. Tom Grissom, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. If if they don't sign Dansby, I think Von Grissom takes over 
not this coming year probably. I mean, that would be really rushing him unless he showed, you know, in spring training he was ready. But I don't see that. But I do see him taking over the year. He could take over the year after that. So so Alex has done this before with Josh Donaldson. Sign a guy for overpriced for a one-year bridge. Go out and get one of these guys for, like, like, like we just saw with the Twins this year. You know, when they yeah. signed you could do that. You could sign a shortstop for a year, uh, you know, overpay him for a year as a bridge, you know, maybe with an option in case Grissom isn't ready. But you can get creative and do something if you're not really willing to give Dansby the contract that he's probably going to command at this point. Yeah, I think it's, you know, every time the conversation comes up for me, I just think how hard it's going to be to replace what Dansby brings to the table. I mean, it's not it's not just Absolutely. the talent. It's the way he plays every day. Um, it, I'm sure they know it. You know, I'm sure they value it. I'm sure they understand it. They know what they're looking at. And Snip the numbers. Says yeah, I mean, time. the numbers just haven't matched up for both sides yet. But if I'm running the team, I'm doing everything I can to just have that that hole filled. You know, and, and I, I know Von Grissom's really good, but. You never. I mean, there's growing pains getting called up to the big leagues. It's not like it's a left fielder or, or you know, or uh, <laughs> a utility guy. It's your shortstop. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's that is the most the important Dance position. The yeah. So for me, I definitely wouldn't mess with it if I had a choice. You know, I'd be doing everything yeah. I could to sign Dansby back. But if it's gotten to this point, it's definitely going to free agency. Yeah, yeah, and and, ju- I mean, and I and appreciate the other, that. The other question, Shoemake. I'm not. I don't know on Shoemake, man. I don't know if he's a. I mean, do you roll the dice next year and go with him as your shortstop until Grissom's ready? I don't see the Braves doing that and having that many young guys on the field. Um, but it could happen. I mean, if they think because Shoemake is a really mature guy, I just don't know if he's ready to be the shortstop on an everyday basis. I mean, a lot of people think he's he's. He's uh, headed towards being a long-term utility guy, but others think that he's good enough to play shortstop. Um, I haven't made that. I haven't seen him enough. Only at spring training, really. I've seen him quite a bit there, but to really determine whether he is he's that guy or not, he's awful slender, man. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so I, I have one other quick question, um, you know, just on the Austin Riley signing, looking at, you know, Jose, the Jose Ramirez signing, I think is a good comparison because he is considered, you know, one of those other all-star third basemen. And, you know, Austin Riley certainly got signed to a higher value than him. But then looking at like the Nolan Arenado contract and the Manny Machado contracts, you know, Austin got signed. I'm just going to throw out the Anthony Rodone contract because the Angels are going to Angel. But, you know, 
I, I know David has been kind of given some good insight on Twitter and some of his replies about the contract. Where where do you guys personally see how the Braves are valuing Austin in the overall market of third basemen with the extension that he was given? It's it's hugely team friendly. Anyway, you yeah. look at it, but you can't compare him to guys who signed as free agents because they're buying out three of his arbitration years. So Austin's probably actually going to do better in those years than he would have been in, in uh, arbitration. But in his free agent years, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that if he keeps playing like he has since early last season, and it's about 200 games now, if he keeps playing like that, they'll basically have the guy for about $10 million less per year than At he least. might have commanded on the open market as a free agent. Because this is a this is a 30 to 40 home run guy who plays a well above average third base and is a good hitter, not just a power hitter. He's a good hitter. So you're yeah. talking about a guy that would make 30 to $35 million probably on the open market as a free agent with the way the market's going. And he never is going to make more than $22 million. Yeah, it's – that's how you have to look at it too is part of the value of that contract is security. You know, the Braves know he's worth whatever number they think he's worth, whether it's 30, 32, 35 million a year when he hits free agency, they know what those numbers are. And the, the, the only thing enticing to that about Austin is he can be done now and signed now and he's set for life now. And that's kind of what you throw at guys as a team is, do you want to risk some injury the next two or three years or you want 200 million now? And, you know, like we talked about last episode was I don't blame anybody for just setting themselves up for life right now. But it's not necessarily, you know, that the Braves don't think he's valued at 30 to 35. They know what he's worth and they know that if they throw this deal out there and, and, and get it now. The risk they're taking is he does have some kind of injury. But that injury, you know, two seasons, if he misses one year, yeah. the rest of them, they're paying him $10 million under what he's worth. You know, the one or two years of him being on the DL makes up for the rest of the contract value-wise. They'll still get, you know, that 30 to $32 million worth of production that he's worth. And he's a big, sturdy guy, so I don't see him having any of the injuries. You might see some other guys that are, you know, I mean, he's durable. He plays every day. Yep. He plays through everything. Um, I, I think... I think that Alex is a master at, I don't want to say exploiting. I want to say taking advantage of a situation for both sides because Austin got what he wanted. But Alex Alex is so good at seeing this opportunity, this window, or in his case, Austin Riley, the window. He just got married. He just had a kid. He is playing in the one place where I think he would sign a deal like that and leave potentially $100 million on the table, and that's Atlanta. He's from Mississippi. He, he loves it here. He's not going to go sign that 10-year, $212 million contract with Arizona, you know, right. or, or, you know, with Oakland or with Seattle. He's not doing that. He's doing it in a place he loves. His wife is from Mississippi as well. They can, and, and I, I said he could drive home. People were like, oh, he's going to fly private now. I'm like, no, that's not Austin Riley, man. He's got a new truck, and he's going to be driving when he, when he can <laughs> on the weekend. So, but I'm just saying Alex is really good at reading that situation. And like in, like he did with Acuna and Ozzy when he signed them, best friends, like a week apart. That wasn't just coincidence that he was able to get Ozuna right at for that incredibly team friendly deal. Right after be, he signed Acuna yeah. for a decade, you know, to a to a, another really team friendly deal. I mean, Acuna is never going to make more than seventeen million. 
if he gets back, and we're, we're sure he will get back to being Acuna once he's you know got his legs under him again and everything, and he's going to be a guy that's that's uh, his peers are going to be making literally twice that. So Alex has really taken the only case that it, that he didn't do, and, and maybe Alex didn't want to do it that bad because of his age was Freddie Freeman because that one they didn't handle great, but they also had extenuating circumstances. They had coming off the pandemic. They wanted to see how uh, profits bounced back. And by the time they got those revenue reports, the pandemic started. They had made one offer to Freddie and they shut things down. Freddie's agent did. You know, we've gone through this whole thing, but there was there were a lot. It was like a perfect shitstorm on that one. But in every other case where they, they've had a guy, they've been able to get him at under market. Dansby is the next one. And if and, but it's going to be tougher with him because he's so close to free agency. Yeah, I appreciate you guys answering my questions, David. Always love your reporting. And just to echo what um, Matt Olson said in terms of this contract, it, as a fan, it feels great having these guys locked up for so many years. You know, being so a beneficial fan for the Braves. team. I mean, there's no other team has guys locked up like this. Four guys locked up like nobody that at that rate. I mean, you're talking about. I looked at it. There's going to be some years where they're all four making the highest amount they can make, and they're going to be paid a combined $68 million. There are a yeah. lot of teams that are going to be paying two players $68 million in a given year. So it's crazy, man. They, You can do so much when you have the flexibility that that gives you. And as the Braves payroll creeps up slower and slower to $200 million, and you're only paying those four stars $68 million, you can do a lot with that. It, there's so much luck involved too. I, I think it does speak to how how happy guys are in Atlanta. Yeah. But I mean, oh, yeah. if you're no if doubt. you're the Yankees GM, <laughs> you're just like, why couldn't I catch this break and Judge sign that deal three years ago? You yeah. know what? The GMs around the league got to be looking at Alex like, how the hell are you pulling this off? But at the same time, there's a reason. I mean, I'm sure they've thrown these deals at Freed and 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 Dansby too, and and they didn't bite, but. Every time you get a guy to bite and he's happy with the deal, you know, I mean, you, you probably hear it if you're Austin that you left some money on the table. And I bet you he doesn't give a shit. I bet you he's perfectly happy. He's where he wants oh, yeah. to be. He, he's not. He knows he left a lot on the table, but he's he, he considered all that. And he said, you know what? This just feels right. This is where I want to be. And if they, you know, do all the stuff we've talked about, how they vet guys coming over and have this terrific team chemistry. If these guys weren't happy here coming to work every day. It, they'd be a lot le- more reluctant to sign a deal where they know they're leaving money on the table because they might think, hey, you know what, I should I should look around, talk to some guys and see how it is over in this place or over in this place because they know they like it here. So yeah. the guys that he signed loved it here. You know, Cunha and Ozzy, you know, he took advantage of you know the fact that they're such good friends and they love playing with each other. You know, Freed, I could see doing it. Uh, you know, he's an LA guy, but he loves pitching here. I could see him doing it while he's you know a couple of years from free agency. So I could see him potentially doing one but uh um otherwise you know like like i said dansby's so close to it and a year ago a year ago dansby just wasn't in a position to command you know anything close to 20 million a year a year ago if you look at his numbers he just wasn't that guy yet yeah and he He i mean he's he's it's it's hard to i mean not a lot of guys have this season in their free agent year but his value skyrocketed and it and the guys are winning too, you know. I mean, it's like I think Soto's situation getting offered four hundred. Well, he's got Boris, but 
that nobody wants to stay somewhere where there's there's no plan to win and these guys have a chance to be part of this group and stay here and keep winning and every guy that signs that deal you're more likely to get more guys that can help you keep winning um i just think it's a great situation for austin i know he's happy and that's going to do it for today's episode of 755 israel thank you all so much for tuning in excellent questions in the live room once again if you'd like to be able to join a live room in the future and be notified when we do host them, make sure you're subscribed to 755 Israel on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get the show. Also, make sure you follow David and Eric on Twitter at DOBrianATL and at EOF34. And as we always say, we're out. 755 Israel.